Welcome to episode 5 of Streams and Variations, the podcast where writing evolves. In this show, you will first hear a monologue based on a song prompt. That monologue has then been passed on to a songwriter who has written a song inspired by the monologue. That song is then passed on to a writer who writes a monologue based on that song, then to another songwriter, and so on. Like a game of broken telephone, each writer has only seen the work that immediately precedes their own. What elements of each piece will carry through? What recurring ideas and themes will we see? What changes will arise from the mind of each new artist? Let's find out. My name is Jamie Johnson, and I'll be your host. The act of creation is a very peculiar thing. Every artist has their own way of going about it. But most creators fall into one of two categories, plotters or pantsers. Plotters are outliners. They take notes, do research, meticulously make critical choices about the character, story, arcs, and beats. When all of that planning has been done, they begin the act of writing, with everything in its place. Pantsers don't. Pantsers take an idea, or a character, or a story, or an arc, or any combination of these things and launch themselves directly into the act of creating, letting the song or story find its own way. And like an observer, the pantser records what happens. And flying by the seat of their pants is what we have asked these creators to do. Like all of our writing streams, we've brought together the talents of six creators and placed them on strict deadlines. Each piece you will hear was created over the course of one week, and these new creations became the basis for the pieces that follow them. Listen closely and try to find the threads that bind the stories together. Try to see what each new creator brings to the process. See how the story evolves. The talkback for this stream, episode 5, will be released on March 22nd. These talkbacks, discussions between myself, co-producer Sean Erker, and artists from the stream, Give a look into the creative process, insights into how the story was received by them and how we perceive their stories. These artists are an integral part of this storytelling experience. Their perceptions are what drive the process forward. Listen in as we find our way through the evolution of the story. Each full episode in Talkback is available through our website, or you can subscribe through your preferred service. So please, don't miss any stories based on songs based on stories. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to tell your friends, or your enemies, or your mom, or your dad. They might like it too. This episode contains monologues written by Jared Rusnak, Kate Verneberg, and Kimmy Crosscup. These monologues are performed by Jamie Johnson, Kirk Dunn, and Pat Tedford. And it contains songs written and performed by Danielle Knibby, Ben Wood, and James Aries. So sit back, listen intently, and let these artists carry you through this stream and its variations. Monologue 1. Only if you think about it. Written by Jarrett Rusnak. Performed by Jamie Johnson. It seems like I've been leaving you behind at airports most of your whole life. 
or road trips across the country, drive you somewhere to your new life or previous life, and come home empty. Come home to the present. It's only sad if you think about it. Not you. Me. The me I am when I'm talking to you as me, except as this distant third-person version of myself. Not being sad thinking about you. So it's only sad if you think about it. I'm standing at your gate, watching your plane move further and further away from me. I'm behind the wheel, listening to gas station road trip CDs with you in the back seat, reading your books and eating your snaggies. I'm leaving you somewhere, or sending you somewhere, and every single time you come back to me, you're not quite you anymore. You're someone new every single new time I see you. It's been that long. And the old you dances like a ghost in my memories. And it's only sad if you think about it. Because in the present, this new present is you. And I'm always happy to see you. And in this moment, this very first moment you re-emerge in my life, I'm burying the knowledge that at some imminent future, you're going to not be with me again. And you'll continue to become a new you, and I'll continue to think those old thoughts. And it's only sad if you think about it. The new you can now talk to me about income taxes and utility bills. The new you gets it, really gets it, when I say so-and-so from work is an asshole. A real fucking asshole. Because I was the first one you called when another fucking asshole cornered you in your office. And you stood up to him. And he went away. And your voice was shaky when you spoke to me on the phone. And we dealt with him. And I still fucking smile when I think about that because it was just you and me and all your friends and colleagues and everyone who admires you cutting that prick down. I'm so proud of you. And I'll say it a million times to the world. High school was a blur to me. Your high school, not mine. It's like you're 14 years old and you're coming to live with me for the first time in years. Just you and me against the world. And I have all these ideas about being super involved. Maybe volunteer at your high school or be one of those parents with big ideas about things. Next thing I know, I'm crying at your graduation and completely baffled as to how the time passed so quickly. Certainly too quickly to be one of those parents with big ideas about school and stuff. I never got around to talking to you about dating either. Too awkward. 
It's more like I fumble around with various dysfunctional relationships and you do your own thing. Who needs the talk when you have my example to chew on? Or spit out? I do sometimes wonder what I left for you. What wisdom I salted into your way of being. I mean, I know we're good. I know you're good. Good marks. Good friends. Good taste in music. But could I have left more? Or given more? Did I leave enough? I, d I done dumped a bunch of shit in your room recently. I mean, you're not using it anymore, so why not, right? Most of it was your shit anyway. That you dumped in my room and other places around the house so your new friends would think your space was cool. And it was cool. And I was happy to live with all your extraneous shit in my room and other places around the house because I wanted your new friends to think your space was cool too. But it's been a while now. Eleven months since the last time I put you on a plane. And you still haven't come home yet. With school and the virus. Maybe a very long time. Longer than I've ever gone without seeing you. And it's only sad if you think about it. So, I dumped a bunch of shit in your room and closed the door. Song 1, The List, written and performed by Danielle Kanibi.
Patients lead to surgery And my thoughts lead me astray It's 4am With the TV on To keep the fear at bay The list of what I won't allow myself to Sit down and put a smile on my face So that I can be convincing when I say The old familiar lie I'm good, I'm great, I'm Full of questions, full of worry I can't see my way through I don't know who I am What I want Or what I'm gonna do And the list of what I Monologue 2, Infinity, written by Kate Verneberg, performed by Kirk Dunn. I started it thinking I'd stop any time, when I thought it would be done, you know, a reasonable length, maybe to the elbow, maybe to the wrist, but it just gets longer and longer by the day. At first, I did it to keep busy to keep calm but now now I do it I do it for I watch TV and I just keep moving my fingers just keep sliding the loops over the cold metal needles just longer and longer and longer I stop caring about batch numbers you know for the color I just keep ordering whatever seems closest online and I use whatever comes it's so long now, and it just keeps getting longer. Like, maybe I should have made it wider. Then it could have been a blanket. It's so long now, maybe it could be a stripe of a blanket. Instead of doing it in squares, maybe I'll do it in strips. But I don't know. It may be too long now already. Every night, the dark falls around me. 
that I see the lights winking on in the neighbor's apartments, and I'm sitting and watching the TV until the neighbor's lights wink off again, and either I fall asleep in the coils of my creation or I just keep going. Dawn seeps in at the sides of the window casing, crawling gray like a lizard around the edges of the building next door and into my place. Longer and longer. If I keep doing it, if I keep the needles moving and it keeps growing, how bad can it be? Seriously, how bad can it be if I'm still making something, if it's still growing? Something new is happening. Something new is being made. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it for... I'm doing it for me. It's for hope, right? For hope. I limp through what remains of my job during the day. I'm numb from being up all night. Stiff from sleeping in front of the TV. But no one on the Zooms really cares. No one on Zoom is doing better. But they won't have something beautiful like I will for when this is over. They won't step out into the glittering crystal and the blazing sun of winter clad in an infinity scarf blanket they made themselves. They won't step out into the sharp air wrapped up and fluttering in the curlicue wind saying, I'm here and I made this. I made this splendid thing. A dog watches me from across the way. He lies his big bloodhound head in the window and gazes at me through both panes of glass. I watch him sleep when the light goes off in his apartment. When I go out in my blanket scarf, I'm going to meet this dog, wearing my gorgeous cape, my handmade cape. This dog is going to be outside He's just going to have jumped off a snowbank. His fur will be full of tiny diamonds. He'll shake out his big floppy ears and nuzzle my fingers. And I'll pet him through my gloved hand. And his guardian will beam at us. Friends reunited at last. Friends separated by the window. By the pandemic. But friends nonetheless. And that's what I think about it working and not listening to the TV because this can't go on forever and when it's over I'll be ready I'll be ready to celebrate I made it myself Song 2 Sleep, written and performed by Ben E. Wood.
Monologue 3, Joe, written by Kim Kroskup, performed by Patricia Tedford. Joe could sleep unlike anyone I'd ever met. It was like an Olympic sport for him. He was determined. It didn't matter what time it was or how loud or uncomfortable his surroundings were. He could somehow always sleep. Through thunderstorms, barking dogs, loud music, it didn't matter. If he made his mind up to sleep, he slept. I was not so lucky. We actually met on an airplane. Well, I guess we didn't actually meet on the airplane. That's just where we saw each other for the first time. I had just turned 25 and I'd finally gotten my first campaign job that let me do more than just use the copy machine. It was a 6 a.m. flight out of JFK and I was heading out to California to meet the candidate nervous as hell and wearing this little navy suit I'd managed to rescue from a thrift shop in the East Village. I had the window seat. Joe's was next to me on the aisle and by the time the plane had pulled away from the gate he was fast asleep. We were about four hours into the flight when the turbulence started. I remember it came on pretty suddenly. I had only been on about three flights in my life up to that point and this was the first time I'd experienced anything like it. You could feel the tension in the air whenever we'd have a quick change in altitude. There was an older woman across the aisle who was particularly anxious. Her fingers were white from gripping the armrest, and I was pretty sure I saw one of the flight attendants making the sign of the cross in a private moment of panic. But not Joe. Joe was asleep. I remember thinking that he even looked composed. There were a hundred people around him, all of us in various states of unease, from quiet apprehension to full-on terror, and he, he just looked peaceful. It was another hour before we landed, but he didn't even stir. Even during the frequent assurances from the pilot over the speaker system or the constant beeping from the seatbelt light turning off and on, it was like he was in another world. He didn't wake up until after we'd pulled into the gate, when everyone had started collecting their carry-on luggage. He didn't even look phased. He just woke up, handed me my suitcase from the overhead compartment, and smiled, as if nothing out of the ordinary had happened. I was still collecting all my belongings from the seat pocket, and before I even noticed, he was gone. It was just another morning for him. It wasn't until later that day that we actually met, and I understood why. Joe, as it turned out, was the deputy campaign manager, and he was very cool under pressure. A bad press day, four-hour strategy sessions, a cranky candidate. Nothing really unsettled him, let alone a little airplane turbulence. And he never wavered. He just handled things. Meeting my parents. Our monster-sized wedding. Three miscarriages. Through all of it, he was like he was. Constant. Composed. Not unfeeling. Not robotic. He wasn't robotic. He was just at ease. 
When I got the call about the car accident, I was in New York. I jumped on the first flight I could get, but it was early the next morning by the time I arrived at the hospital. He'd fallen into the coma by then. He was just lying there, tubes everywhere. The unrelenting beeping from the machines. He couldn't move. He couldn't breathe on his own. But somehow, I don't know, he looked peaceful. It was like that day on the airplane with chaos all around him. He still managed to look peaceful, composed. I stayed by his side, in the chair next to him, drifting in and out of consciousness. And every once in a while, I'd catch a glimpse of him and I'd almost forget where we were. He looked exactly calm enough to make me think that everything might be okay. It was just another morning, right? He was just sleeping, like he always did, like he always could, at the movies, in the car, at my cousin's wedding. He was just sleeping, until... He wasn't anymore. Song 3 The Last Time Written and performed by James Aries The last time I called you I think it was your birthday It might have been a Thursday But I know that were spoken I really can't remember something about the weather or the dinner that you ate well you warned me how time flies but even still it takes me by surprise Good. 
Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Jared Rusnak, Kate Vernerberg, Kimmy Crosscup, Danielle Knibby, Ben Wood, and James Aries for creating pieces for this episode. And thank you to Jamie Johnson, Kirk Dunn, and Pat Tedford for their performances. For more information about our artists, visit our website at streamsandvariations.com. And if you like what you heard, tell your friends. You can find us at Streams and Variations on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, our handle is at variationspod. Let us know what you think by dropping us a comment or questions by email at streamsandvariationspodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode is the fifth in our talkback series where we discuss this writing stream with writer Kimmy Crosscup and songwriter Ben Wood. Come visit with us again and hear more songs based on stories based on songs. We look forward to you dropping in and giving us a listen. Bye for now.